What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 381. My name is Steve, one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. Guys, we've had a busy week, man. We had a full episode last week with the Mm -hmm. tier list. Hope you guys all like that, those who have listened or watched on YouTube. And then we had a little bonus episode, a point five, which we don't do much anymore. But we had seen so many things that you know, had kind of come out recently or even last week that didn't get featured because of the Flash mm-hmm. DC, uh, you know, episode that we did. Um, so hopefully everybody grabbed that on Monday and uh, checked in on some of those reviews as well. Uh, this week is kind of getting back to our normal format. We've have, we have our re- required viewing, which I picked a few weeks back, which is um, Matt Johnson's BlackBerry, which is now available on video on demand mm-hmm. after a pretty successful. Is it available on BlackBerry? Run, um, good, good luck question. good luck good luck i don't know um there's probably some marketplace in there somewhere maybe there i don't be. know yeah. um so we'll get to that in a bit and then we're going to talk about uh our feature review sorry our feature review this week which is the new uh, jennifer lawrence sex comedy r-rated coming of age uh red band trailer getting all the views you know what i mean like they really kind of pushed um this 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 angle for the movie but no hard feelings is out in theaters this week and um john and i were able to check it out unfortunately ronald couldn't make it to the screening so you know we won't there's nothing to really spoil in discussing the movie but um okay we, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a bit and there'll be a couple of movies we'll talk about at the end like we always do but yeah the, the feature of this, this this episode will definitely be No Hard Feelings, uh, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But let's do required viewing. It's been a bit. And uh, again, my pick was BlackBerry a couple episodes back, a couple weeks back. I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to see this in theaters. I, I, I try to see some of these smaller movies that I've kind of heard great things about and have a lot of people in them that I really enjoy, um, mm-hmm. including Jay Baruchel, mm-hmm. um, Glenn Howerton. Um, and, I, and I do like Matt Johnson, too. He's not a well-known actor or director, but he's done a couple of things that I really thought were interesting, but I, unfortunately I missed it, but you know, in the world we live in VOD, <laughs> hello, you know what I mean? Like if I miss you by two, three weeks, you know, you've made the m- majority of the money you're going to make in theaters and they bring you home. So, uh, you know, this seemed like a good pick. And uh, have you guys heard anything about Blackberry before I picked it? Or, you know, I know John, you made the joke a couple episodes <laughs> back about, the whole like Tetris Air, BlackBerry, the trilogy of like '90s products. Yeah, yeah, about like making <laughs> making films about beloved yeah. products or beloved companies, which I think mm. might be a thing we might see more of. As I think younger generations that are yeah. less cynical about attaching themselves to like a you know a property <laughs> like that, like maybe yeah, people yeah. have their own way of doing it now that feels separate from the corporate identity of the of the thing. But I feel like there's that like personal ownership of brands and stuff that has I don't think has decreased. So I was thinking yeah. today, uh, watching Blackberry, like, oh, this is probably not going to be the last movie like this that we see. There's many, many more products that they can try to get us to get like yeah. some kind of a reaction to. Waiting um, for but- the Nintendo one. Yeah. That's well, gonna, I mean, I we're gonna get a Nintendo one, right? Well, the Tetris was kind of 
connected to that, yeah. right? I mean, it was kind of yeah. dancing around that. Yeah. Um, but but as far as that, yeah, it was on my radar. I like Glenn Howerton a lot. I noticed that, um, you know, I think I saw the trailer and I was very curious about seeing him play what seemed like a little bit more of a dramatic role or a little bit of the kind of, you know, taking his douchey comedic persona and twisting it a little bit for this kind of movie. So I was interested in that, but I like Jay Baruchel as well. Um, and, you know, I did not know until I sat down to watch this that it's a Matt Johnson picture in the sense of, Matt Johnson of the Dirties, and yeah. um, I forget the name of his uh, uh, faking the moon landing uh, movie. Operation Avalanche. Okay, yeah, that was really good too. I, yeah, I've, I've noticed he's done other things since then that I just haven't kept up with, but it really made me go, oh yeah, I like Matt Johnson. I, I like I like the Dirties a lot. Yeah, um, and I think he's a he's a likable screen presence and a very kind of natural. He reminds me of different people in different ways, but he's got his own kind of vibe. So yeah, I mean, I think for me. Um, it was on my radar, but sitting down to watch it, I realized, oh yeah, I, I'm really curious about it knowing it's a Matt Johnson movie because he seems to always have, a, if not like a meta concept, there's some kind of, there's something he's after. He goes for a tone, he gets something, you know, there's there's something very naturalistic and funny and weird about uh, both of those movies we just mentioned. So I was looking forward to the kind of tone of this. And I think it stands up as that. Like this is, it feels very Matt Johnson. Even the, the way it's filmed, it felt very uh, scrappy and, um, I don't know if it was shot on 16 millimeter or something like that, or if it was made to look old or something, but it feels like it, it doesn't feel like a, a current day indie movie where everything is like super HD digital feel. I don't know if you felt that way watching it, Ronald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it did, it did have this like sort of old look to it. Um, I think about this Matt Johnson meme of him going like, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like what it's stuck in my brain, but um, he brings something to the screen that just I don't know, man. Like, I think talking about movies in terms of budget really does a disservice to it, um, because there's like uh, micro budget movies that are, are going to be a thing for, from now on, and 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 are going to be exist on the streaming services and they're going to PVOD fast. And I think it's a bigger audience for these movies. Like I, I think the the semi biographical movies about technology and people and things like that. Yeah. Are, are becoming a bigger thing. Once one thing, because everything at one point was a documentary, right? Like, I feel like there was this period where I was watching like 20 documentaries a day about, <laughs> about, a you know, the micro documentaries are like 10, 15 minute ones and sure. then 30 minute ones. And now that they know that there's a space for it, you can make a dramatization of it. Um, and I think that Blackberry really had a pretty insane impact on the market. And, and, and it's easy, you know, it's easy to forget that, especially if you're younger to not think that there was something before the iPhone um, that still was pretty popular in corporate spaces because of how secure it was. Yeah. Um, I remember the police department um, was very big on that, especially um, I remember a lot of police officers transitioning from BlackBerry to iPhone. Like that was a huge concern in the corporate space. How secure are these things? Like, can, are they going to be able to take these, messages that we're sending to each other it, it was right. like a big thing um so this movie really delivers on it i and sometimes it felt like matt matt johnson was kind of making like putting a hammer down on blackberry as a like a 
a brand and and what it represented and maybe yeah. it's being too big for its britches but maybe that's what it was it kind of felt like that it, I, I thought glenn howerton and and jay baruchel just killed it like yeah they're both incredible in the movie. incredible yeah. man, yeah. man that, that just like these three in this movie kind of orbiting around each other is this going to be? This feels like it could be up for something. Like, it feels well, I mean, like that, almost no trace of their comic personas either. Yeah, like, yeah. I like I actually had to look up Jay Baruchel's age because I did think he felt young for this character. Yeah. Then I looked it up, and it's like he's forty now. This guy yeah. was in his mid thirties when this all started, yeah. so it's like the guy he's playing. So yeah. I was like, well, it's yeah. just that ba Jay Baruchel looks like a kid. He just is one he of does. those guys. I'm not going to hold Maybe. it against him. You know, if eventually he'll fill out or something, but even then, he'll still have that build. Yeah. And then yeah. Glenn Howerton's kind of a similar thing of like. You know, if you watch It's Always Sunny, you know how funny and high strung Dennis is and how evil he is. But also there's always been this kind of whiff of where's that career, like that career that Glenn Howerton could have had in movies and as a household name, because yes. I think the guy is that good, you know. Um, uh, so I think that it is interesting seeing him uh, uh, you know, embrace the sort of douchey side of his persona to play this character. But it is like a dramatic turn. Um, that little bits of humor come into it. There's a couple of moments where it's the comic timing of those two guys. You kind of feel it, but most of it is the tension of their different personality types and how you know that eventually it's going to go bad. Like you just know it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the movie makes them into characters. I, you know, it makes a point of saying this is a fictionalized version of what happened at the beginning. And I read an interview with the guy, uh, Jim uh, Balsley. Is that his name? Uh Basili, Bowsley, 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 where he said it took him a minute to get the tone of the movie. And then he realized they were doing a little bit of a satire. And mm -hmm. then he said he started to appreciate started to appreciate the, the the story they were telling in the movie. But he said, if you think I could have acted quite that unhinged and gotten the things done that I've gotten done in my career, then then you don't know the way business works. But he says for the purposes of a movie, he felt like they kind of nailed the sort of combative nature of the way he ran a business, you know, yeah. and and it was an interesting interview because he sounded like he was willing to go to the premiere and do the red carpet, but like he didn't want to sit around afterwards and do a Q&A because he doesn't want to be in the position of fact checking the movie, mm. um, which, you know, I thought sounded kind of gracious in a way, but there's other people involved who have said, no, they don't really want to comment on it. So I I do think putting the hammer down is is something this movie's doing a little bit. It's not a flattering portrayal <laughs> yeah, yeah. of yeah. these guys, uh, but it is an interesting, uh, you know, the thing it does capture is a moment in time. And I think it's similar to the way Air captured that idea of like the sport, that level of sports merchandising and, and you know, that it's still a billion dollar industry. Um, I think that what Blackberry does is capture, I mean, they say it in the movie. There's a p point where he says, you know, we're going from being the BlackBerry to the phone everyone had uh, before oh. they got an iPhone. And I think yeah. that that's kind of the way the culture has moved on from this device. Yeah. But I was I was a flip phone and then, a, then an iPhone. So I didn't ever have the in-between. But I knew a lot of people that were into tech and that had Blackberries. And I know that it was huge, especially for like yeah. corporate people and business people and stuff like that. So I don't know. I feel like this this is yet again one of those little things where 
it's cool to see. I like uh, it's similar to what we said about air. I like the fact that we don't get the home life of these characters. We don't find out that one of them has a disapproving father and the other one has a spouse that wonders why they're working so hard. We didn't get any of that. It's about the, the corporate stuff. It's about the product. It's about the job. Yeah. Um, I, I find that to be my favorite part of this kind of subgenre that we're getting is that it's like, I love that sort of movie where the tension is like people running down the hallway, trying to make a deal on the phone. I, I haven't gotten tired of that yet. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, that's what I loved on Succession. I loved it on Mad Men. Um, even though they didn't have portable phones on Mad Men, they had intercoms uh, that could be patched through. So you can run run around offices and you know and like figure out who's on whose side. And I think this movie does a good job. You know from the start kind of who the good guys and who the villains are. But I think you might be a little surprised by the end as to how you know like Jay Baruchel's character is not as sympathetic um, as he begins. But throughout the movie, you see signs of like his lack of forceful personality, at least in the way he's characterized in the movie, it yeah. becomes a real detriment to the way the business uh, is run. Yeah. yeah. Sure, man. I, th I think, it, I think overall too, it's like a, like you mentioned, like how it didn't really kind of move outside of the orbit of like the product and like the inner circle of those involved that in making it or marketing it, or, you know, kind of getting it out there. Like you didn't get into the like personal lives of these players and I think that some of the best stuff in the movie really is, I guess, specifically with Jay Baruchel's character, um, kind of like the integrity that he had around the people and the product that he had at the yeah. beginning. And, you know, that that shift through the movie, even when you have, you know, uh, <clears throat> characters coming in like, you know, Michael Ironside's character that comes <sighs> in for like, you know, operation control and things like that. And, yeah. You know, there's conversations about moving production to China and like there's all these little things that come up throughout the movie that I think are so specific to like technology and yeah. um, and to scale and to where a product, you know, is, is not able to keep up with demand and it kind of how that jeopardized and really kind of like everybody basically involved like sacrifices yeah, all the things that really matter to them, you know, <laughs> before they find any bit of success with it, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's the product itself or them as like an inventor, creator, businessman or woman, you know, I just feel like that was, I think, what worked so well in the movie. And honestly, among the three, as much as I loved Air, I think I may have liked Blackberry even more. I, I was going I, to say the same thing that if we, if we rated these, what would, what did you guys think? But yeah, I, I mean, this one ahead, I, just a, just yeah, a bit I, ahead. I, yeah, I would say yeah, be uh, Blackberry Air Tetris. I mean, I, I really like I, I liked all three, really. Yeah. But I just felt like this was such an I felt like this was like such a and I guess maybe it's because like we all have had that experience of like even with our time at Apple, like even then when we were there, a lot of companies were still moving off of those devices. Yes. You know, so and even when I left Apple to where I'm at now. You know, there was years that went on where we like I moved to a role where I was supporting Blackberries and yeah. iPhones and to really kind of have that experience where I never had a Blackberry and I was exposed to like especially like the the, the last place that it hung on mm -hmm. the corporate culture. Yes. Absolutely. And and that's interesting that in this movie, the corporate culture and the corporation piece of it is really kind of what dismantles the product. Yeah. And, you know, that that element of it, you know, whether it's with the telephone companies and the way they manage their, you know, the minutes to the data, like th that whole that whole like transition in history and technology history, 
I thought was handled so well in the way they kind of framed, you know, why worry about minutes when you're using like free communication that's already existing in the air, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And is it Sal Rubinek? Is that that actor's name who played like the Bell Atlantic? Uh, exact? I think so. Yeah. There's like yeah. a series of scenes in that boardroom. And the first one, they're dazzled by the tech guys because this whole idea of this device is so, yeah, is so mind blowing. Yeah. Um, then, then by the second or third time they meet with them, the tables are turning. There's a little bit more of like, well, now we know where, how we're making money on this and where the services and like yes. what our networks can maintain. And then by the last time, it's like, then it's like the telecommunications guys are a little bit uh, at a bit, bit, bit more of an advantage at that point because they can point to this iPhone that it's like when it hits the movie, it's like Godzilla coming through. You know, Absolutely. I mean, it, and yeah. honestly, I, I was going to mention that too, but you brought it up. We all worked for Apple. Well, I worked there when, I don't know if, did you work there when the iPhone came out, but I worked there when it came out. So I, I remember this weird moment of exactly what you're talking captures, about. Yeah. Of so everybody I, coming in with a BlackBerry and their new iPhone and saying, how can I do everything I did on this on yeah, this? Yeah. And so Absolutely. it was it was weird that most everybody in that corporate world had some bizarre attachment to, to some particular feature that was that was automatic on the BlackBerry, but that was hard to do on the early iPhones, oh, especially with the application yeah. support and stuff. So it was always very funny trying to get someone to be like. I mean, you, you, you know, if you work for Apple, you ran into this with all kinds of products, but like getting people to like, just get used to this new system, you know? And then within a few years, it wasn't so much that it was the iPhone, but just that it was the smartphone with the touch screen, that that was actually yeah. the thing that was the revolution, was was yeah. the computer in your pocket that has a touch screen, you know, because that's when yeah. all these different apps and stuff became a possibility. So it was yeah. interesting seeing the movie touch on that. So I worked, I worked at CompUSA when the iPhone okay. came out. So I had a very different perspective. This was like, what you got to understand is like, people only thought you could buy the iPhone at the Apple store. So when we sold them, it didn't make any sense to them. They thought it was only $500 at our store. And that we could like the, subsi the subsidized idea because we couldn't subsidize them at first. Mm-hmm. And I think that Apple may have been the only people that could at, uh, at first for, for us. Like we couldn't do it. Like every phone in the store could be subsidized except for that one. So it was $500 off top. So people were like, fuck, no, I'm not going to buy this thing, but it looks nice. Mm -hmm. It looks beautiful. It's like a Fisher Price phone. Um, <laughs> oh, I was going to say one thing that I really loved about this movie that that made me think about this these conversations that we had was... The other actors in the movie that kind of randomly shine. Um, Sung Woon Cho, who was one of the workers, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like the guy behind my left shoulder. Mm -hmm. yeah. I could trust that guy. That moment it's, was great. It was and, so and, and, good. And had he he hadn't been in the movie much before that, yeah, so it's yeah. like that was just a big moment. I just love that that they gave that moment to a character that we didn't really have much of a reference for. Yeah, I thought Rich yeah. Summers was good too. Oh man, it, it, that's the really cool. Um, the um, the the little spot that his assistant had mm -hmm. when when Rim got a little bigger. It's just th these like little moments that are, yeah, man. You you know what? It, you know why I think this movie's better than Air. I I don't know how else to say this without sounding like uh, an ass, but it's not quite as heightened in in like the acting, like the. The acting in air felt a little all over the place, right? Like this felt a little more grounded to me. Probably so. Wise. Maybe so, I, yeah. I watched air like three times and I was like, this is a like I'm obsessed with sneakers. I love sneakers. I love the story of Michael Jordan and what he did. 
Right. But you give me a good, fast-paced story, you got me. That'll mm-hmm. win every time. The pacing of the movie was better, too, to me. I, I really loved, and I think the best part of the movie, maybe, I don't know, arguably, is literally the last, like, three minutes of the movie. You know, I mentioned before, like, uh, Mike or Jay Baruchel's character, Mike Lazaridis, like, his, his kind of, like, integrity to the product and kind of how you see that slipping away through the film as he gets more and more desperate to, like, show why this device is still worth having 45% of the market share. Yes. You know, he gets so desperate. And that la- that last scene, it's even with the credits, where he is literally taking apart the phones and fixing that buzzing sound. And then that one. is true. That, yeah. that like that they had to pay Verizon tons of money for all those storms that were defective because they were produced in China, which was something he fought the entire film. And I, I and that title card about Freegan who Matt Johnson plays, you know, having sold his stock like the day he saw the iPhone announcer yeah. or the day after he saw, like, that's just fucking incredible. And that he's like, like quiet, he, quietly one of the richest men in the world. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, you know, and, and it made him one of the richest men like at that time. And he still yeah. is. And like just all those pieces of information, you're just like, this is real life. Like this is what, yeah. like this, this uh, whatever fictionalization they did, like these are facts. That yeah, they yeah. that they per- portray. Well, in the film. It, it, but the reason it works so well, Steve, is because that thing you just that factoid you just mentioned, that historical fact, is dramatized in a very cinematic way. That yeah. final scene of him in the like the sh- with the shipment in the warehouse or whatever is like heartbreaking. It's so and, sad and yeah. intense and totally alludes to that sort of integrity you're talking about. But it reminds me of I don't I can't think of other instances off the top of my head, but I know we've seen it where like someone who's lost touch with their their essence kind of um, yeah. is like scrambling to get back in touch with their essence at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like he's trying to get back to the one totally. thing that was like his thing. He really liked to do at the beginning, which was like figure out where that hissing was coming from or that buzz or whatever. So I think right. that, yeah, no, I didn't know that that was, I, di- I, I didn't know the history of the product or, you know, all that stuff about the storm, but I quickly did a little research and found that, yeah, that that was true that there were so many defective yeah. ones, but I loved the way they dramatized him, like almost acting like he's actually going to fix it himself, you know, like yeah. that it's up to him, even though that's madness. And I think that's why that works so well for me as a closing idea. Um, also, so often the, the title cards or the, whatever you want to call them, the bio facts yeah. they give at the end of these things, the epilogue. So often those feel tacked on or like, eh, I don't know that this movie really stands up to it, but this was one of the best examples of like giving us a little character note that felt uh, felt true to each character. I mean, like you find yeah. out that, you know, certain things about the other two main guys that that just feel good, like feel right with the story that you saw. Um, and uh, yeah, well put together drama. And, you know, it does it does retain some of that uh, kind of found footage or docu, whatever, whatever that thing is that Matt Johnson does in his movies that I've seen that that he does well is like create some sense of that you're eavesdropping uh, on human behavior. <clears throat> cool. That's well, a guy, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, unanimous. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I was excited to talk about it because I, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, and just to plug a podcast real quick, I don't know if you guys listen to the Ringer podcast, the Big Picture um, with Sean Fennessy. Um, if, if you liked BlackBerry or want to hear more about it, he had Matt Johnson on like the week after it released. Oh, cool. Um, and it's just he's an incredible, like just great interview. Like he's very nuts and bolts, especially if you want to like talking about the filmmaking of the movie and, 
it being a Canadian production and, you know, what it means for Canada and like how it's performing there and here and what that all means and the budgets and things like that. Just a really cool inside baseball conversation about movies of this type budget, you know, all these things. Cause you know, we don't see a lot of movies like this anymore that get like wide or semi wide releases, you know, a movie that's budgets like 5 million or less. That's yeah. not a horror movie. Um, but yeah, the big picture with Sean Fantasy, it's on the Ringer uh, Podcast Network. But it, yeah, it came out, I want to say probably the end of May, early June. But yeah, it's with uh, Matt Johnson if, if you if want to listen more about him talk about BlackBerry. No, I think I would like to hear him talk about oh. it. Just, uh, just in general, I think he's in. And also, yeah, if, I believe we've talked about the dirties on the show way, way, way back. Yeah. But if you're a new listener and you don't you don't remember that recommendation, I think that um, I think it will probably still hold up. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Oh, um, so what's, uh, you, maybe because both of us saw, do you want to talk about extraction too or you want to well, wait till the end well let's get to the pick who's who's required viewing who's up next oh yes it's me okay i'm next it's me it's me so Thanks. i actually i actually I, I listed all the, i was curious about i was starting you know i like to like uh figure out like uh, uh boring information about stuff statistical information so i started listing all the all the required viewings we've done thus far and looked at different years and that are like maybe a couple choices from that year. And then like different years that we've, we've, we haven't done a choice from. So I was looking at that and thinking about what my next choice would be. And I've actually got some, some things on my list that I want to do for required viewing. And my list has gotten ridiculously long with movies that I just want to see because I haven't seen them that I feel like I should. And then sometimes movies that I haven't seen in a long time. And then I, I can't believe the movie that I'm about to select. It doesn't really fit any of those categories. This is a movie that I only saw once and I didn't really like it when I saw it, but I, I could accept that maybe I would view it differently now. But I thought it would be fun to talk about this movie and it comes from a year that is unrepresented. And it's kind of in the summer movie vibe. Uh, okay. uh, and if next week we have a little Indiana Jones talk, this feels like it might be a fun movie to pair with that. And it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. So th those things always oh, add wow. up. I, would, I think go. we're going to talk about... Last Action Hero from 1993. Let's do it. <clears throat> this film's having a little bit of a moment right now. I don't know it's, if you guys... It's like 30 years, I think. Well, not just that, but I don't know if you've watched the Arnold docuseries on Netflix, which... No, how is it? Real quick, it's incredible. Like, okay. Yeah, must watch if you're any kind of or any level of Arnold fan, like, because it's the way it's kind of segmented into, like, his bodybuilding, Hollywood, and political, you know, careers yeah. and successes yeah. and failures. Um, it's incredible. It's really, really good. Um, I loved Arnold growing up as a kid, and I, I still do. Like, I still love watching a lot of those movies. But on that series, a lot of like, there's a there's a segment that's kind of gone viral about the failure of Last Action Hero. Oh wow! And like, it's you know being a bit ahead of its time and finding an audience later, like basically in the last decade, and um, really just like how much that 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 failure crushed him. Like it really kind of sank his in in his eyes his his Hollywood career for a while. Wow. Um, but no, it's it's a great pick. I remember, yeah, this was like, yeah, Arnold at his peak in the nineties, early two thousand or yeah, nineties. Yeah. And like, what is this meta action, you know, movie? I remember seeing it. Oh man, yeah, I'm I'm excited to rewatch this. Like, I won't get too far into it, but that's yeah. a good one. 
Yeah, like I said, I've saw it in the theaters 30 years ago. So this will be this will be a total Ooh. a total attempt to reconnect. But I just avoid I I I knew when I pictured how much fun we've always had talking about Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> um especially oh, the man. classic ones. I don't know what it is about that topic that that is always so fun with you guys. So, yes, let's uh let's do it. Let's let's go back that's to 1993. A, that's a great pick. I mean, Last Action Hero. You you are setting me up for goodness because guess <laughs> guess what just got remastered pretty recently. You guessed it, fucking Last Action Hero. Thank How many you. Ks? How many Ks? <laughs> just four Ks. How many do you need, John? <laughs> also, it's on. It's a good timing for your pick because it's on Netflix through July first. Oh wow! Oh, wow. So okay. if, if you if you have Netflix, if you check out the Arnold docuseries series, or you know you want to get this in before it leaves, uh, we'll have it on the show next week. But you know, it's just under the gun. You know, the, the deadline is I see you as I pull it up. Last day to watch on Netflix, July one. So get on that if you got a Netflix subscription or you could find the remastered version that Ronald just mentioned. I actually own I'm looking on iTunes. I actually own it and it just got upgraded to 4K with Atmos. Man, iTunes, guys, if you are a digital collectors. Use iTunes. <laughs> Your movies will be upgraded. My avatar just got upgraded. I bought it for $7.99, just got upgraded to 4K. Use iTunes. <laughs> That's all the advice I'm going to give you guys. All right. Um. So, yeah, great pick. We'll talk about oh, Last Action so Hero good. next week. Um. But, yes, Ronald, back to your question. Let's talk about Extraction 2 quickly, yeah. and then we'll jump into mm. No Hard Feelings. So, did you watch Extraction too is you said you watched it as well I right i did okay. they should have did called you, it extraction you, as well yeah as i say i don't want did you yeah. watch extraction two too did you watch extraction in, as well in too? Two, two? yeah in a two two as well mm -hmm. um, i didn't did, i did not so i will i will listen and learn but i've heard you, there, did, i've heard there's an amazing like one or like action scene that's like a long action scene in this yeah i keep hearing people talk about some particular scene that yeah. i i feel like extraction did, did you enjoy extraction just quick no you didn't. Okay. No. So I, 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 did, I did. I always felt like extraction was like, I mean, it, it was a, one of the, it's one of Netflix's like biggest movies. Like yeah. they always, they always talk about it, but like I had, it's one of those things where I had no expectations. And it was like that era or that time where like all the MCU stars were like, are they going to have something that's successful? Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like their thing. Like sure. Chris Evans was in knives out, but that's not his thing. You mm. know, he's an ensemble. But then Extraction was on Netflix and it was like a monster hit for them at the time. Like, I think yeah. it was their top viewed movie and had been mm -hmm. replaced since then. But and that was like genuinely a Chris Hemsworth, like action vehicle. Like it was mm. some massive action movie. And I just like had no expectations because like no one was making good movies that were coming out of the MCU on their own. Yeah, that I thought really um, I didn't hate it. I, I, I was surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember love Dr. Doolittle. No, 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 no. no, 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 no I'm looking forward to its sequel, though. Um, <laughs> Doctor, but yeah, I just remember. I just remember watching it and being like, "That really surprised me." And and what stood out really was simply like, just the action, just like period. Like, yeah, man. it's that thing where like I thought the movie was fine, and I think Chris Hemsworth is an action star, and I do think that of all of them, he's probably the action star of the of the crew. Yeah, and I think that like that movie was a really good showcase for him. Um, to be that and i just i don't know i just remember watching it on netflix with aaron one night just man let's watch this and she loves him so we were both like really surprised by how much we liked it yeah um 
But, you know, its success ultimately was like, no question, they're going to make another one of these movies. Yeah. But like the director, Sam, is it Sam Hargrave? Like he Sounds was right. a he was a second unit director for the uh, Infinity War Endgame film. Oh, okay. uh, so like that's the whole tie in with Agbo and the Russo brothers, because they wrote these movies or at least uh -huh. one or both of them wrote these movies. But he did a lot of the like uh the the final action sequences in like infinity war like most notably like thor coming to wakanda like that whole sequence arguably the best in the movie like he shot that so oh, wow. that's kind of how he got his like you know reputation i guess and what got him extraction yeah. just for some backstory so he definitely comes from more of an action stunt choreography much like chad stahelski does for the john wick films or anything like mm. that um but I don't know, like I, I was really surprised how much I liked Extraction. And I got to say, I, I I really liked Extraction, too. Mm. Um, I, I felt like um, they spent enough time kind of telling us why that character would be returning for a sequel, like the Tyler Wright character that Chris Hemsworth plays. Um, I, it feels very much to me like some mashup of like, honestly, like a lot of those 90s action movies, you know, with what we look for in some of these more like, uh, I guess popular, successful action films like of the last five years, things like John Wick specifically, or um, like uh, Atomic Blonde or Nobody, like these films that have like really great action sequences that are choreographed and have great stunt work. Um, but I don't know, like I just kind of went into this being like, I'm curious how they lo give me logic of why why this guy goes on. And I think that there was enough there for that. And yes, John, there is like a 22 minute, like quote unquote, oneer, which is like a prison break sequence. Um, that is not a true oneer. I watched like a behind the scenes thing, and it, it is stitched. But oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, in essence, it's a it's a it's a one shot, you know, kind of narrative piece of the story that is really really impressive. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like. What what did you think of it? Did you like it or like I mean more or less than the first or like where did you fall on it? Well, you know, I I hadn't seen anything about the trailer for the second one, but I knew that it was out. I saw the right. poster. You mentioned it. I was like, look, I have enough time that I could sit down with this for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, I turned it on. I'm like, man, this doesn't sound great. I had to crank it up a little bit. Uh -huh. And what I realized was like. Okay, this is this is this is the volume. I, typically, I will keep it at like a out of eighty. I'll say ninety. I'll keep it on like a sixty or fifty when I'm watching a movie. I had to turn this up to eighty in order wow. to feel like the the sound. I mean, this is a direct sequel to the first one. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I I knew the story. I remember the end when he jumps into the water and all that stuff. This movie was so much better than the first that it, it is. It made me feel weird. I was like, is this the same series? Like, what right. did I miss? Like, to the point where I want to go back to the first one. I'm like, I didn't like the first one that much. Why do I like this one so much? Right. And some of it is like, like, you know, like Steve was saying, like, there's there's a there's a shift that's happened. The inspiration from like martial arts and things like that, but things are shot differently. People fight differently in movies like you know they 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 respect the idea that like people wouldn't come at you one at a time they would come you know they figure out a way to kind of make it look like it's a little more chaotic than just one-on-one -on -one fights which right. a lot of those 90s movies kind of embraced 
And that is something that kind of was borrowed from like, you know, foreign films and became really popular with like gun foo and stuff like that. It's existed sure. before John Wick, obviously, but John Wick is the blueprint for right. a lot of those movies. Right. So it almost took everything that it had from the first movie and combined some of that gun foo. And what you get is like an extraordinarily fun movie. I mean, the, the prison scene, John, you may have seen it in the trailer. I'm I'm going to just say, you, you know what I'm talking about, Steve. He's blocking a Molotov and his fucking hand catches on fire. And he basically looks like Ryu or Ken. And he does beating the living shit out of people with a fiery hand with a firearm. Yeah, literally a firearm. This is what I want from a movie. (laughs) You know, it's just like that kind of fun shit. Um, The the dynamic with the characters is really fun. You know, some of the characters from the last film. Um, Does he have a romantic situation with that character? Is that like a thing? With, with, with the the sister yeah well that that that's that's his ex-wife no 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 not her uh the his part i mean the 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 group that he works oh, oh, oh like their little group uh yeah just, j- just no not like a romantic thing it's just like they're like best okay f- i mean maybe maybe there's something there but yeah, i mean like yeah. they're they're like it's it's his like confidant like they're like yeah, that yeah. for each other yeah it's it's really cool it, it's like if the 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 guys from from Mission Impossible were fighting in the field with them. Like, it, it just is a really cool thing. Just especially to see women kicking ass the way that this woman demolishes people in this movie. It's just fun. And just when you when you calm down, you're like, oh, the scene's done. <laughs> a helicopter will come. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that that that's like the thing about the movie is that, you know, it's, it's a little over two hours and... <laughs> I feel like you really don't get much of a breath in the movie. Like, you mm-hmm. know, with with the exception of the beginning where it kind of gives the logic of of why there's a sequel or how there's a sequel based on how the first one ends. Yeah. Beyond beyond that and some stuff with the with the family that that you know is kind of the center of this rescue mission. Yeah. Um it moves really fast. And what and I like what you said too about like the the group um really kind of getting involved in what was going on um like Nick and Yaz, the 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 guy yeah, and the girl that's a part of his crew, um, and like having their own moments of like some pretty badass action sequences. Yeah. It's not just all Hemsworth. I mean, this is a Hemsworth thing, um, but he's 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 like he is like he is the action like he's an action star. Like he is. And yeah. this is one of those Netflix movies where the moment I got like an hour into it, I was like, "Yep, they left a ton of money on the table if they had put this movie in the theater." Because this is a movie that would have been amazing to see on a big screen, and like you even yeah. mentioning the sound stuff, I, I, my sound mix sounded like pretty standard, like in terms of what I listened to mm. it at. But I mean, all of the action and the guns and like the the like especially when that prison sequence, or even in the end when they're in this like high rise tower and there's like helicopters coming in, yeah. attacking them from outside, like the the sound mix is just pretty amazing and really good. It's it's just one of those it it's it's definitely better than the first one and I like the first one, yeah. and it's it's just it's just in every way I think it's bigger it's 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 more aggressive it's got better action yeah and he and he's really good in in the movie like Chris Hemsworth is. is great in this movie, um the emotional beats he just really is on point man like there's parts where you know it, it should feel slow but you know yeah. he he's just kind of processing a thing. More action comes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's you know, he, he he gets a little emotional. You're like, damn, I feel really sorry for him. 
more action comes and yeah. and nothing ever lingers long enough. The only person I didn't like was that little kid. I fucking didn't like that that kid. <laughs> but I mean, you're meant yeah, to kind think, of feel like this exactly. teenager is trying to find his way in the world. Yeah. But the 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 the, the villains in the movie. I don't know how that anybody could afford 150 armed men that are super muscular coming at you with every single gun and helicopter that you possibly yeah. have. I mean, that's a little weird that they're like, yeah, you know that guy from before? Oh, he's big now. He's like, <laughs> oh my God, he has assassins everywhere. But it's it's fun, man. It really works itself out. And then the final battle gets smaller. It goes yes. from... It's small and then it gets big and then it gets small again. And then when it gets really small, it's like, oh man, like it, it feels rewarding. It, it 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 works itself out. Um, and there's somebody in it that I wasn't expecting. I guess I didn't see him in the trailer. I think it's a it's a surprise. Don't spoil it. Okay, yeah, cool surprise. I don't know how the fuck they got this guy, this really famous guy. No, I'm just swear, but yeah, it's not in any of the marketing. It was definitely Nothing. a surprise, and it's a cool surprise, and it even like kind of teases more to come. Yeah, yeah, with that character uh, and to that the, actor, to the point where I thought that he was going to say his name was a very specific name. I'm yeah. like, is this world connected to another yeah. world? I know. But anyway, I know. yeah, I think I may have heard bonkers. something about this, but either way, okay. I, I think okay. it I, okay. is it's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. We'll do yeah. it. All. We'll do it. All. Anything <laughs> I say, but ruins the spoiler, uh, yeah. non-spoiler thing. You yeah, guys yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I, this this is definitely a go ahead for me, and I go think it's one of the fuck head. Please, it's definitely one of Netflix's better. I think it's one of Netflix's better original films, period. But definitely, like, their action movies that always do really well, like all the big ones that are, like, the top-viewed ones that they always tout about, like the Red Notice and whatever the hell else, you know, all... This is definitely better than any of that. Yeah, like, this is yeah. this is a solid, entertaining, fast-moving spectacle of an action movie, and I'm excited for the third one whenever they make it. I'm just, I can't yeah. wait. Oh man. Can I can I give a quick shout out Netflix stuff? Um my friend Cammy Farmer is on the um new season of Black Mirror. She's in the episode with Salma Hayek. Um I wanted to say congratulations Cammy. I'm really happy for you. Um it's the Joan is awful episode. Episode right. 6. Uh she's um on the screen i don't want to give anything away but she's on the the computer screen in the in the episode um acting beside uh sama hayek okay yeah super crazy she she didn't really say anything i guess she couldn't because of it you know yeah. non-disclosure yeah. and then she just popped up i'm like holy shit this that's is so cool that's cool yeah congrats congrats but that's see that movie What's that? See that movie. See Extraction Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I, I, I actually I thought the Black Mirror season was pretty good. I got you one like more it? to go, but okay. I've, I've liked I've, I've at least liked all of them. Some of gotcha. them have been really good. I need to watch them all, but I, I've heard it's a. I mean, you know, I'm always interested in. We've talked about how much we're kind of suckers for anthology shows and yeah. the Black Mirror thing they do is a particular kind of thing, and you can be in the mood for it or not. But I've heard this season's a little stronger than the last one. Um, it's, I think it's overall probably is people are really mad about it but it, it but i agree it feels like the black mirror that i the british one it feels like that energy right like right, right it got a, it got kind of away from that once once netflix america started making stuff but this really it's strong as shit to me like it really feels like it's getting to 
what made Black Mirror special, which was kind of like this dystopian sort of, you know, everything's the same except for one thing is 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 really crazy and it's it's way off. Yeah, and then it gets like Russian doll about it. Yeah, you know, that's just kind of the formula, and it works really well in this season. So. It always sucks. To, like, it just sucks. It's like five episodes, like yeah. that massive yeah. weight. Yeah. And it's like it's five episodes. And I, I kind of th- feel like it kind of peaks early and towards the middle of this season. Uh-huh. But I mean, like overall, though, I think most of them were at least entertaining. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, Black Mirror season six is on Netflix as well. Yeah. Um, uh, let, OK, so that we kind of did it in reverse a little bit, but let's talk about no hard feelings for a little bit, John. Uh, yes. This is the big. Again, like I said, Jennifer Lawrence is probably the biggest name that you would know uh, in this movie. Uh, but this is uh, people of a certain age might know Matthew Broderick, but yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, is Matthew still Broderick, un- right? Unquestionably, Mar- the biggest name in this. So, <clears throat> Marbonati. Some people may remember. Uh, I know her, from, you know, from Broadway stuff she's done, but also she was on the Detour on uh, TV. If you ever watched that comedy series, but uh, yeah, No Hard Feelings is in theaters now. This is a big studio R-rated comedy, which, like I said, we we don't get really big, period. big is right though i looked it's a 45 million dollar budget which kind of surprised me oh, wow you know that's, that's something I, that's something i want to talk about about the movie in general but also i i was thinking about it earlier when we were mentioning air and like air's success or not success based on like its budget and like what it was what what amazon bought it for mm-hmm. and that's i think that's like a whole another conversation and even like elemental is in the conversation because of its box office performance and what it costs to make mm. It's like this overall. So it's the Flash, just, uh, which we talked about in our. Yeah, last, I mean, but yeah, I guess that's like a superhero Rest movie. So I'm just like yeah. you, you kind of like <laughs> expect these big budgets from them. But I don't know. Yeah, I was like shocked that the budget for this was 45. I was yeah. shocked that the budget for Air was 90. Yeah. You know, like oh, Elemental's wait. budget's 200 million dollars. You know, like it's just th- that stuff is out of control. It is, and I feel like in a lot of cases. Versus a movie like Blackberry made five for less million, than yeah. five million dollars, it's like some of these movies they they they're just set up to fail, you know. Like there's not a support system, and specifically with No Hard Feelings, again, like I said, a movie that we don't a type of movie that we don't see really ever anymore. Um, just comedies in general really aren't coming out in theaters or marketed as straight comedies anymore, which this one is and and has been marketed as. But I feel like, you know, the, the support system for that kind of film is just not there. So do you like, think, do you think she's swing. the kind of star that can open a movie? Or like, is is that the swing? Is can is, is she the kind of star that can open this kind of movie? Like, because that she, she does I mean, have the star power. We were talking about this after we watched it. There is something about a star of this magnitude who haven't seen in yeah. a bunch of things recently. And it's there's no question she commands the screen and like. You know, you love to watch her in a movie like this, but seeing that it cost forty-five million, I felt my my heart sink a little bit because I was like, "No, this movie is kind of charming. I don't know that it's going to like draw people in." But is she is she that kind of star? You know, is she one of those people who still has that kind of star power? I don't think so. I mean, I think she is a star, but I think it's all relative. I don't think that star equals box office anymore. Mm, You know, I don't think that equates the way it did. You know uh 90s early 2000s i mean even 10 years ago i mean it's just it's so different now and i think that she's never really proven herself as a box office draw outside of the franchises that you know she kind of shepherded you know success with you know like the hunger games movies or the x-men films and even like passengers with chris pratt like 
you know, that I think that was the only non IP one that of hers that got past the hundred million dollars, but that's also a huge sci-fi summer blockbuster, her Pratt at maybe, you know, him coming off of uh, guardians and Jurassic world, you know, those were factors that I think helped that movie to succeed. But yeah, I mean, she's never been the box office draw, you know, like her biggest movie is the hunger games movies. Probably. Although don't look up is a movie of hers on Netflix. You know, that doesn't equate the box office, but it's like Netflix's number two movie of all time. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know that that means anything for an R-rated comedy coming out in theaters, um, especially when you hear that the budget's $45 million. I, I mean, I would be shocked if this movie makes more than $15, $20 million in opening weekend. I, it's probably mm. more like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. which is disappointing because I thought the movie was really good. I thought it, it was, was very really, funny. Yeah. Really funny, really sweet. And again, I keep saying it, but it's just the kind of movie that you don't get to watch very much anymore. And mm. it hits a lot of those... Um, a lot of those like bullet points of, of, of things in movies that I love, which is, you know, the mo- John and I were talking about this, like there are multiple moments in the movie where like, you just like, it kind of gets you, mm-hmm. you know what? It, it's like an emotional beat or a character beat that kind of is another gear for a character in this mm-hmm. story. And both of them, you know, uh, have it in the movie. I think the guy's name is uh, Andrew Barth Feldman, who plays the, the, the main character, the young guy, Percy. Um, and and that's like it's it's it makes it so much better when that when that works with the performances and with the actors or actresses involved. And I think they both do a great job, but especially her. Yeah, I mean, like I turned to John when we were done with the movie. I was like, I kind of just love Jennifer Lawrence. Like I I just yeah. you know we you don't want to say she's just gorgeous and she's well, so I, fun. That, that, that's how lame I am. I was going to turn right. to you after the movie and say she's so beautiful. <laughs> Right. It's like it's so hard. It's so hard not to watch her. Yes. And it is, it is because she's beautiful, but she's also just and she's right. She's got this great she's so charismatic, extremely funny, and she plays extremely funny in the movie. And really, like this movie is the showcase of like she does not give a fuck. Like she is down to do whatever it takes. Like you think you know what we mean, Ronald, but there's moments in this movie that they don't Spoil in the trailer that are like, wow, that's and just again, it's you. the it's the sign of an actor going for it, and it's like, it's where you go, okay, she's also kind of always a producer on her movie, like she's the kind of yeah, person producer, who wouldn't yeah. wouldn't do a role like this without being fully on board for what it is, and right. when you see what it is, it's got some new, some I don't know, some things I think that surprised a lot of folks watching the film. So that's uh, totally that's, that's kind of funny, but the movie has moments like that. When you talk about it being R rated, that's significant because it. It is like a coming of age story for a kid and it's a coming of age story for like an arrested development adult, you know? So it's like both of right. them to the reason why it's that's the, the, the setup could be so creepy and the movie leans into the creepy factor of is this age disparity? Is it making us uncomfortable? The kid's not a child. He's 19. She's not old. She's like 32, but that right. age difference, if it were, if it were a man who was older and a, and a 19 year old girl, I think we would all be completely skeeved out, you know? Sure. And, and this movie does own up to that, but yes. work, and work hard both to make her the kind of person who seems like she's kind of a creep, but also <laughs> that that she's not. She's just kind of a normal person in some ways. And there's a little bit of economic anxiety that they work into it with her being a person who's trying to make ends meet. And this kid being a kid who's never had to worry about anything because his parents are loaded. Oh, wow. And so the movie doesn't lean hard into that stuff, but it's there the whole time. And I think that the viewer sees it and recognizes it. And sometimes even the comedy comes from the fact that 
that for her, this situation has much higher stakes than, than it might, uh, seem, you know, um, and it's one of those movies where there's a secret that, you know, the whole movie is going to come out. And so I sometimes dread that, like when it's like, when are they going to, but I think yeah. the way this movie played that moment was actually, there's like a dinner scene. That's very funny. That's like also sad and kind of dark. And, um, Steve, when you mentioned the kid's name, I laughed because I remembered that, that moment when they were meeting in the bar and he, somebody breaks, somebody, uh, like, breaks the pool balls on a like a pool table behind him and the sound of it makes him jump like it was a gunshot or something. <laughs> he's like, ah! I keep thinking about that moment. The kid does that moment so great, but he's we were great. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> we were loud. But she is, um, she is, um, you know, she's, we know her, we know how good she can be. I thought the kid did a good job of like matching her in a totally different comic energy, you know, like mm. he's, he's like a young actor, but I thought it was interesting how he held, the screen opposite someone with such a strong screen presence, especially when he's kind of playing someone who's being overwhelmed by somebody. I thought sure. it was great that he managed to find comic beats in there that still still came through. This is not like a loud, brash comedy, but it definitely has those moments where, um, you know, it's going for something, those big laughs that I think you associate with comedies like this ever since like something about Mary or something, you're expecting a couple of like, what the fuck moments, <laughs> you know, yeah. from, from a, from a comedy like this. And I think Matthew Broderick even being there is like a little bit of a meta spin because, you know, back in the day, he would have been sure. one of the younger people in a movie like this. And so he's funny. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. And let's talk about Scott MacArthur, the, the new, the, I, I said, he's the guy who can now play the Ike Barinholtz role, but um, <laughs> you've seen him and stuff, Ronald. I don't know what the reference point for you would be, but do you remember the guy who he was the villain in El Camino? The guy who held Jesse prisoner, kind of. Think so. You, you've Maybe. definitely seen him in other things. He was in. Uh, he was in the Mick. Did you watch the Mick with Caitlin Olsen? Or he was in Righteous Gemstones. Do you watch Righteous Gemstones? As, yeah, he's Scotty. Yeah, he's Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's in this. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's like I the, love Righteous Gemstones. But you know, way. but you know how rom com coming of age stories always have like the funny guy who's lurking yes. around. He's that yeah, guy. Right. He's the guy who they cut to when they need a good laugh, or he he like leaves a scene before the dramatic conversation starts up. But he's always he's good for it. And it's again, it's that there's a formula, but it, I think it also stepped outside of the formula in a couple of interesting ways that just made it. Maybe it is the fact that it's not a romance between the main characters, but it is still kind of like you see them kind of falling for each other and you see that in a different world, like she's a little immature and he's a little too, too uh, held back. And so like the way they influence each other is, is the way that characters in influence each other in a romantic comedy, but it's not, mm. it's, it's not to call it that would be a little inaccurate, but no, it's very funny. And I kind of I kind of know what you mean, Steve. When I saw that budget, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if this movie could be the kind of success it would need to be to justify right. that budget or to represent now these types of movies are back. I just don't know that anybody knows right now what to uh what to release in theaters and how much to spend on yeah. it. <laughs> it's a weird time for our it favorite is. favorite really uh, industry. <clears throat> I gotta say though, man, you know, we talk about it all the time with like horror movies. There is something amazing about seeing a great comedy or a really good comedy with a with an audience. Like yeah. you mentioned it when we sat down, John. It was like, oh, it's, this looks like a good crowd. Like it's packed, mm -hmm. and you know, like and the movie plays really well to an audience. And I mean, even today we're recording this on a Wednesday. You know, it's got a sixty-one percent on Rotten Tomato critic score, but like a ninety-five or ninety-seven percent audience wow. score. And, and it really genuinely is like an audience pleaser. Like people were laughing constantly during this movie. And, um, you know, just listening to people walk out of the theater overall, like people were really, really enjoyed it. And I, and I did, too. And I was telling, you know, friends of mine today, like, 
if you can go see it, go see it, like support it if you can. Cause you know, again, they don't make them and hopefully yeah. if they, you know, if it performs somewhat success of whatever that metric is, maybe we'll get some more of them. I know there's a couple, there's another comedy coming out this summer that, that, that one with the, the, the talking dogs. That's like a raunchy R. Oh, yeah, it looks oh, strays. Strays. Yeah. I've heard, I've actually heard that's really funny. Uh, a couple of people, I've, a couple of friends of mine have seen it actually, and they thought it was hilarious, but, um, I don't know. I just I just hope it finds some level of success. I do think audiences will enjoy this movie. And, you know, again, it's awesome seeing a comedy and laughing. You know, that communal experience that we talk about with theater sometimes that you can't really replicate uh, replicate at home. You know, different the apples and oranges through and through. But, I mean, I just think that, you know, it is an opportunity to see something that's pretty funny. And, you know, she's a star. And, and, we, need, and we need to kind of support these kinds of things if you want to see more movies like this, if you're tired of and, and I'm not saying that I am, but if you're tired of the same kinds of movies in theaters all the time, um, this is a different kind of movie that we don't get in theaters a whole lot. So, you know, if you're looking for a really solid comedy, especially anything like R-rated that's not like super safe. Um, yeah, man, I definitely it's a go ahead for me again. Like I just I really and the more I think about it, the more I enjoyed it. And I'm just really happy to see um, Jennifer Lawrence back on the big screen because I really am a fan. Cool. Um. What else? Anything else? I know we kind of flipped it a little bit uh, in terms of the other stuff that we watched. Was there anything else you guys wanted to mention uh, having watched before we wrap up? Uh, just don't a, mind couple, a couple things. Uh, you mentioned Righteous Gemstones. It's back two two episodes into the season, and it's it's definitely back. <laughs> it's definitely Great. Righteous Gemstones. Great. Yeah, uh, I love Tim Baltz. Uh, he's he's becoming one of my favorite. He plays yeah, BJ. Um, um, I um, and also Steve Zahn is like a perfect fit for the world and tone of this show like when you see it's, that's that kind of show too where when somebody pops up in a guest role it was like eric andre last year where you're just like oh of course that person can come play in this playground and fit in um and <clears> speaking <throat> of movies in the theater that you don't necessarily see this type of movie i after seeing uh no hard feelings uh steve i i actually had a little time today free and i was like you know i'm gonna pop in for a matinee and i saw um the nicole holof center uh julie oh, yeah. louis julia louis dreyfus movie uh you hurt my feelings yeah um and it was it was it was decent i i have to say that i was like you know what i need to see more movies that are just about people sitting in rooms talking um i liked that <laughs> And then I, you know, it was a little mild and it's a funny thing. If you catch a matinee at the Charles theater here in Baltimore during the week, you will be there with like a, just a different age demographic than I'm normally in a movie with. <laughs> yeah. And there, th there was so much like amused chuckling at this movie that when I wasn't chuckling that it started to, it didn't really turn me against the movie because it is like a charming and kind of grounded movie, but it just doesn't, it made me think repeatedly how much it doesn't have the laughs. Um, it's much more of a dramedy. Um, it's a, I, I don't know. I've never really had this thought before of watching a movie and feeling like the people were too privileged. Like something about uh, No Hard Feelings, the set they set up stakes for the character that whether it's like contrived or not, it at least makes you feel like there's some reason why you're watching this this period of this person's life. Yeah. Right. No, uh, you hurt my feelings. Has has a has an inciting incident in it that it takes like a half hour to get to. And then it doesn't necessarily focus on it. It's like, it's like I don't know if you know the hook of it. It's a woman overhears her husband t t telling the truth about her latest book that she wrote, um, and she hears that he didn't like it. 
but he's been telling her to her face that he likes it. And so that seems like it could really get at some interesting, like unraveling of trust in a relationship, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't, it's like there's three or four subplots that take up just as much screen time and they keep coming back to it. And she's more hurt and pouty than she is like doing vindictive petty things, which seems like that's where the comedy of errors would kick in would be. She starts acting out, you know, or doing things against her husband, but instead it's more like her feelings are hurt, which is the name of the movie. But what the movie does get into that's really interesting. And again, not very funny, but thought provoking is just that idea of people you love. And it reminds me of something Nikki and I used to say when we used to watch American Idol and we, we were terrible people we watched the those early episodes when it was, oh, when people, was were them, messing up. When people being messing up and the I judges being mean and all that stuff they don't even do that on the show anymore it's a much more supportive loving atmosphere on that show but in the early days you might watch those episodes to see terrible singers <laughs> told they were terrible yeah. and you would see the look on their face as though it's the first time anyone told them they were terrible you know and i used to say it's a public service as sad as it is yeah, it's a yeah. public service to hear that maybe your family's been telling you you're great and encouraging you yeah and maybe that's not honesty you know and this movie is all about that that space between being honest with someone you love and supporting them and mm. encouraging someone you love especially if someone you love is a creative person and i think all three of us on this call are creative people so we know you don't assume everyone who cares about you loves what you put out, right? Right. right but right. you assume that they that they see you're trying and that they respect you for putting forth the effort or whatever. And then you know there are those people who really get what you're doing, and it would break your heart to think that person was lying to your face and yeah. saying, I love it. But in most cases, you recognize people say the polite thing. Well, this movie gets all into that and blows it up from a few different angles, but I still feel like that aspect could have been more focused on and it could have more explored that uncomfortable place mm -hmm. of like, can you trust anybody? And what does it mean to be totally trusting? And is real honesty what you want in every situation anyway? I don't know. It, I, I think the movie gets at that stuff, but it kind of scratches at it in a very vague sense that makes you feel like you almost come away from it feeling like these people don't really have problems. But the movie, you know, the acting, whatever, it's of a quality. The dialogue is funny. It, it gets you there. It's just not the, there's not like these these huge moments that I was maybe expecting from from a movie with this this premise but um it's in it's a, to your point steve it's an a24 movie it's in it's in theaters still after being out in the you know like limited run i guess but it's been out for four or five weeks here in baltimore so there's something to be said about you know a little indie comedy sticking around in the theaters and not going straight um to vod but i don't know actually let me look and see real quick before i wrap up this topic just how has it done Box office wise, let me just look. Okay, so it cost, it doesn't say, but it, it's made 4.7 million and it's an A24 movie. I guess they're pretty smart. I mean, it feels like it's super like low budget. There's there's absolutely nothing, you know, in, in uh, No Hard Feelings, you at least feel like there's set pieces that they might need effects and stunt people for and stuff. This movie has uh, none of that. So I could, I could believe that You Hurt My Feelings is a success. Uh, at bringing in 4.7 million, but I don't know what it costs. So <clears throat> anyway, I think people probably know Nicole Hall of Sinners films. She's, she makes movies like this that are sort of dramedies with, with good actors in them. And so, you know, you, you, every now and then you get some really great dialogue and some really, some really interesting uh, character work, but this one felt like it almost, it almost crested the hill for me, but didn't quite, didn't quite make it over despite all the mm. talent on display. Right on. Um, 
I wanted to mention one more real quick. Oh, I, I went and saw Transformers Rise of the Beast. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. How and I gotta it? say, like, I'm, I'm just a fan of the series. Like, they're not good. You know, a lot of them aren't good. I do, I do think like two or three of them are really good. I really like Bumblebee um, a few years back. And, and I kind of like this one too, honestly. Like, this is in the conversation with the original one and Bumblebee and maybe Dark of the Moon, like for like the better of the series. Mm-hmm. But um, this one is also a prequel to the first Transformers. So this takes place in the 90s. Um, and uh, Anthony Ramos is like the lead human character, okay. as they always have one of those. And I think he's really good in it. Um, some really interesting, you know, some kind of some fun voice acting. Pete Davidson plays Mirage, which I think is ends up. I, I, by the end of the movie, I was like, I was, I, I bought into it. Oh, okay. initially, initially, I was like, ah, I don't know about this, but uh, it, it grew on me through the movie. But, uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, like, if you like Transformers movie, this is definitely one of the better Transformers movies, and uh, you know, by no means a great film. But I actually went because Sydney wanted to see it. She's watched okay. Transformers movies with me, and and I kind of, you know, we ride the rides at Universal, and she loves Bumblebee, and Bumblebee's in it. Yeah, so, I love um, the like random transformer walking around that like talks to you. And the, the, oh the yeah, park. yeah, yeah, in Universal, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, so good. I go, yeah, those are really cool. It's like, yeah, it's either like, uh, it's either like, it's always Optimus or Bumblebee or um, oh my god, what's what's his name? The 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 Decepticon from the first one. I don't know, whatever the the the, the big guy from the, the big bad from the first one, Megatron. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, you know, they're Transformers movies. Like, I I love the, like, seeing a freaking, the things transform into Transformers. I don't even care. Like, I just love it. And, you know, some of the slow motion action, the, the, the Bay-isms that, you know, were so popular from the first couple of movies, mm. at least. Um, you know, they're they're laced throughout this this movie as well. But, um, you know, the introduction of, like, the whole idea of, like, the Beast Wars and, like, you know, those characters, um being introduced was really cool and i think uh, ron perlman uh voices and michelle yo voices one of them and it's a really interesting cast in terms of the voice acting but again it's a transformers movie but i just want to say it's one of the better transformers movies top two mm. or three i don't know in that conversation um i heard it has a wild twist i don't know it does I dude i don't want to say it i'll tell you off mike if you want to know it no no it, no, no. i want to watch it it, it, wanna... it it kind of it kind of blew my mind a little bit at the end and i'll but <laughs> but then i was like but but what does it mean like why <laughs> so it's, it's this it's this kind of thing like will they actually will this actually happen okay right. kind of things like it's almost like they're dangling a carrot out there to see if anybody wants this that's crazy um, okay it, i'm gonna tell you you're i was like I was like jaw open kind of thing. Like not, not even like, not even like it matters, but it was yeah. more of this, it's more of the swing that, yeah. that a studio is taking okay. when they, when they, when they have this little, you know, tag or, you know, a little like twist kind of thing uh, at the end of this movie and this story, there's like a little carrot dangling. Like, do you guys want this? Do you guys want to see this? Let us know. Well- you well, know, I mean, nowadays like, that's almost dangerous to to do anything that feels like you're promising something, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, because plans yeah. change, everything falls apart th- these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing's guaranteed. But um, so, um, which is, d- did you like Bumblebee? I did. H- how does this compare to Bumblebee? Because I like Bumblebee. Me too. I, I think I think you would like it. Yeah, I think it, it's it's definitely 
it's kind of like a mix of the Bumblebee and like the first Transformers movie in terms of the scope and character stuff. Like I felt like Bumblebee was much smaller and it really kind of focused more on, you know, the relationship with with like that Transformer and Haley and like kind of her place in this whole insane battle of <laughs> Autobots and Decepticons and all this shit. But like, I think this kind of gets back to some of the bigger scope of the other movies. But the Anthony Ramos character and his and he has like a little brother in it. And there's another character, Dominic uh, Fishback is the other lead in the film. Um, it, 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 it's not as like kind of silly as some of the other Transformers movies are, at least with the characters that are human. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are kind of silly parts in it, but um, I don't know. I would probably say it's kind of like an in-between in terms of like the vibe of the movie. Um, it's almost like Bumblebee didn't make enough money. So they're like, we got to get back to a little bit of the Bay verse. Right, right, right. Um, but 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 we know what people liked about Bumblebee. So can we can we kind of, you know, migrate that over a little bit? But um, I really like Anthony Ramos a lot. Like I I think me too. I do think he's a star if he kind of finds the right projects. I thought he was great in the Heights, and I you know I I want to see him in more things. But this is a huge movie for him, and um, yeah, I don't know. He was he was really good in it, and. uh yeah, man. I gotta say, I left it. I left the theater feeling pretty good, not just because of the little the little tease at the end, but I, I I just like Transformers, man. I've always liked Transformers. Well, well, I've sure. I've enjoyed it as the. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't watched them all, and I think I've Bumblebee's the only one of the last few I've seen. But just from the trailers and the footage I've seen, they've gotten back around to what I think they should have done from the start with like the designs. The designs yeah. look more like the characters from the com- from the cartoon that I liked when I was a kid. And less like a realistic attempt to represent what parts would be there if a truck person turned into, turned you know, in. like sure. the first couple of movies, it's like the character designs were, were, were so busy and almost hard to look at because they were yeah. trying to realistically show how all these pieces could whir around. And I feel like now they're like, no, it ends up being like a pleasantly humanoid looking like Optimus Prime looks like. He's supposed to look to me, and yeah, and yeah. the 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 Beast Wars or whatever those characters that I've seen that was a little bit after my time yeah. collecting the, the toys. Maximals. Yeah. But those designs, the Maximals, of course, the legendary yeah, Maximals. <laughs> um, I mean, come but, on, John. Um, <laughs> but like Beast those Wars. designs look fun. Those designs look like characters and creatures. They don't look like b- a bunch of metal stuff stuck together. Where I'm sp- yeah. I'm trying to figure out where's the voice coming from, you know. So in that yeah. sense, I think there is something. It's like embrace the fantasy aspect of these movies a little bit. Uh, uh, I, I think that is there but you know love or hate michael bay and i definitely have felt both things like the scope and the 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 movement and everything is it's like uh, it's something he does and i think yep. yeah these movies are the they're the right canvas for that kind of uh effects and everything because the the, the characters are literally huge you know the characters are yeah. like the size of a building so or as hot as tall as a building so i don't know i think there is something like I want, I, even if I'm not watching them, I want Transformers movies to be ridiculous and decadent and insane. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I, I guess quietly, this franchise has kept on chugging. This is what the seventh movie, seventh or eighth, right? Uh, I think it's was it seven? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, seventh. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's it's one of those little. I, I know, feel like it's dwindling a bit. Like you know, I think like the last night, like the the Mark Wahlberg one, and like Bumblebee, even like underperforming i think this one is underperforming I'm, I'm to understand that Wahlberg plays an inventor in that he, he <laughs> that's the viral clip yeah he is the inventor but you know we forget that like 
it, it's like it's 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 like crazy like that the the third and fourth movie in the series <laughs> a, made over a billion dollars each that's you know? crazy like dark of the moon and age of extinction made 1.1 billion dollars and the first two made seven and eight hundred million like it, it's a massive yeah. property but yeah. it's just like what is the ip anymore in terms of box office like when these movies don't perform like that, like they used to in theaters domestically, and especially overseas, because that, that's where they, you, they these this these films made a ton of money. Was mm-hmm. in like China and Japan, like the overseas market's been they're they're just not performing anymore. But that said, yeah, I don't know how long it'll be in theaters. It's been out for a few weeks now, but um, I finally got to check it out, and I I, I liked it. I mean, um, it'll probably be on VOD in a, in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, Rise of the Beast was 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 fun for me for sure. Oh um that'll be the episode for this one that, that'll do it guys um, yeah moviesmovie.com is the website youtube.com slash movies movie podcast if you want to kind of get that visual going that video element get the get the eyes on the prize if yeah. you know what i'm saying um next week we'll get back to uh, the required viewing again john picked the last action hero from 1993 i yes. think um so that'll be really fun. And again, that's on Netflix. Between now and that podcast, you have a chance to watch it on Netflix. After that, it's going to be gone probably. July 1, don't forget. <laughs> um, so watch along and uh, check in next week and we'll get back to some other reviews. Hopefully we'll be able to da, talk da, about da, da. Indiana Jones and the da, Dial da, da. Um, We're going to all see that next week as long as Ronald does not get another flat tire. I know. Yeah. Damn Not the nails, or man. That was the, that was the most boring episode of Black Mirror ever is you, you <laughs> getting a flat tire. <laughs> And being unable to come to a movie screening. (laughs) Uh, Man. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, you made our day. Thanks. Bye.